It's time for the Raging Cajun Army. The only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. Kick is on its way, and the kick is good! Cajuns win! 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 A 50-yard field goal! And time expires by Brent Bear in Louisiana! Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here, and today was a great day for Raging Cajun Athletics for a multitude of reasons. Um, in case you live under a rock, Matt Deggs was hired as the head baseball coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. If you don't know much about Deggs, Deggs was here as an assistant from 2012 to 2014. He was the offensive guru that generated that 58 win 2014 team. Um, obviously, after that, he went on to Sam Houston State to be the head coach, was there for five years, and then figured that the only way to come home was to follow in the footsteps of the legendary head coach, Tony Robichaud. And to help me break down the press conference today and what this hire means to Cajun Nation and all that is Mr. Chico Rodriguez, who everybody says is the leader of Section A. <laughs> Chico, what's going on? What's happening, Matt? Thank you for having me on, on your podcast. No, ab- absolutely. So, you know, being being the leader of the the loyal fan base that is Section A, what what does this hire mean, you know, to, to you guys as a, as a group? Well, as a group, I know um, when Deggs was here in 2012 to 2014, you know, we saw a lot of success with the program. Um not only just on the field, but the classroom and everywhere else. And the fan base got behind all that. And to see him go was was bittersweet. We knew it was going to happen at some point because of his track record that he has and and uh, the places that he's been. So when it happened, obviously you can't hate a man for taking a head job. I mean, it's – you know, that's what, why you in the profession is no, to. It's a business. Yeah, it's a business. So for him to go, yeah, it, it hurt, hurt us as a fan base, but I believe we were able to, you know, you adapt and overcome. Uh, to see him come back, obviously it's, it's, it's a great, today was a great day to be a Raging Cajun. Um, I think in, in my personal opinion, he is the only guy right for the job at this point in time, given the circumstances. Um, any other head coach in the country probably couldn't do the job that Matt Deggs can do 
coming in to take care of this team, um, you know, for the next the next five years is what we're looking at right now. But maybe, you know, hopefully have some success, get back to where we were and get this program back to where it needs to be. And, you know, one of the one of the things that Dex highlighted in his press conference today, he was asked, you know, what's what's step one in terms of getting this program back on track and following in the footsteps of Tony Robichaux. And his comment was, well, the worst thing you could do is try to beat Tony Robichaux. You're never going to be Tony Robichaux. There will never be another Tony Robichaux. No, absolutely not. And you can't think on that on that magnitude uh, as, a, as a coach, as a player. Um, you know, you, ha- you have to change with times. Uh, as fans, we all have to change with times. Yes, Coach Robichaux is Coach Robichaux, and God knows he, he was loved by many. And not, you know, me personally, because I knew the man personally, you know, you know, it hurt me as much as it hurt a lot of people in the community, especially the ones that are very close to him uh, and his family. Um, but now it's time to turn the page. Um, Coach Robichaux does have a legacy. We were going to honor that legacy. But like Matt said in the press conference, you can't be Tony Robichaux. Tony was his own man, you know, and Dex, all Dex can do is come in and try to honor the program the way Tony would want him to honor the program. Right, right. And uh, I had a moment to speak with Jace Conrad, who was, you know, an, an integral part of that 2014 squad. And uh, I asked him his thoughts on it. And he said, you know, like, like Dex said, you can't beat Tony Robichaux. He said, but if anybody can run the program almost as well as Robe did, it is Matt Deggs. It's going to be Tony's way with a little bit of Matt Deggs flair to it. Absolutely. And, um, uh, absolutely. And Jace, you know, when Jace was here, you know, uh, you know, I know Jace as well. And Jace and I became friends while he was a player here and, and we're friends to this day. And, you know, Deggs talked about it in his press conference. He talked about relationships. You know, you all baseball, you build relationships with, with fans, with players. You know, you become, you feel like you're part of the team at times. Tony always did that with us as far as our group and our section. Um, but when it came to the on-the-field guys, guys like Jace, Caleb Adams, Zach Osborne, Tommy Clark back in the day, you know, Ryan Gill, those guys that played on that 2000 team. Um, when I was an undergrad, you know, those are the guys that I, that I, I hung out with. Um, and then got to know these newer guys when I moved back, you know, the Jaces and the Scoobs and Tyler Gerards and, and, and all that and, and the, the Dylan Butlers of the world. You know, so you build relationships and every one of those guys, when I saw them on that Sunday uh, of Tony's service, every one of them, from Reagan Bazaar all the way down to Tommy Clark, the whole every single one of them that I saw, um, you know, came up to me and thanked me. And of course, they don't need to thank me. We do what we do for them. uh, But I thank them for being the men that they've become and and showing the support that they gave to coach. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Deggs was obviously in attendance at, at Robe's service. Mm-hmm. Deggs and Robichaux were, were great friends. Deggs always says, if you ask him who saved his life after all of his off-field issues, he's going to tell, tell you plain and simple Tony Robichaux. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, Deggs was out, of, as everybody knows, Deggs and Tay, he was out of baseball for a year and was hit rock bottom, apparently, yeah. you know, and Tony and Tony took him in and, and gave him a new lease on life. And that's where, and the reason Matt Deggs is the way he is today is because of, because of that. And, you know, as surprising as it is to have gone through the things that Matt went through, 
to be as open as he is is actually pretty surprising because most people that experience that are usually reserved and mm-hmm. you know don't yeah. like to talk about it too much. Right. So the fact that he's as open as he is 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 quite interesting. And you know, one thing I wanted to touch on was his three points as to why he came to Lafayette, came back to Lafayette. He, his first one was that he just felt God was nudging him out of his comfort zone, and he felt that Sam Houston State had become his comfort zone. You know, why do you why do you think that is? Like, why, other than Tony's passing, what made him want to? Well, I think it, you know, I'm not a coach, and you know, I'll never be a coach. But I think once if you get into a, a profession, that's any profession you get to a point to where you feel like you become complacent and you just kind of going through the routine. Um, I'm sure that's what Matt felt like when he was at Sam. He was going through a routine, same routine, trying to change things here and there every once in a while. Um, You know, sometimes you got to shake things up, you know, and sometimes a change of scenery is the best. You know, sometimes it could be, you know, if you're in a private sector, you need to go to your boss and say, hey, look, I need a raise. You know, I've been here long enough. Let's 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 look at this. This is my job. This is what I'm doing now. You know, I want to be just this. You know, I want to be able to grow as a professional. Um, And I believe that's what Matt Matt felt like he was doing is growing as a professional, uh, taking another job um, and and leaving the school that he was at, which I know he he loved those those guys and that team because Matt's a loyal guy. But also understanding that, you know, maybe this could be better for his family and for himself. He he called his job in his press conference, he called it the highest honor of his life to follow in the footsteps and continue the legacy of Tony show. And going back to his three things that brought him to Lafayette, the second one was he was sitting in church with his family on Sunday, and their preacher started his sermon with a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke <laughs> about an old man from Crowley, Louisiana. Yeah, and you know they say they say, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Well, if that ain't a, if that ain't a freaking sign, I don't know now, what if is. That is not divine intervention, right? And then after the service, the girl taps Dags on the shoulder to tell him that she is sorry for the loss that he's experienced, and you know he thanks her and whatnot and. She tells him that he she played soccer at yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it, you you mentioned it, divine intervention. I mean, if, if that ain't robe telling you something right there, then you just, I mean, you're just not, you're not living life. I'm sorry, I, that's just the way I feel about it. And you see, after after the press conference, we had a informal Q and A session with Dags off to the side, you know, media members only, and we kind of asked him to elaborate on that. And he said, man, after after that girl talked to me, he said, I looked at my wife and said, I think I know what we need to do. Yeah. You know, usually it's it's a sign like that, that you know, it could be a little sign. It could have just been the girl. You know, the preacher didn't have to tell the joke. Right. You know, um, or it could have been the other way around. The preacher told the joke and then and whatever. But those two things coming together at that point in time um, tells you everything you need to know about what this program and what where we are and and in life in general. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and another thing that I found interesting about today is they handed out to media members the breakdown of Dex's contract with the university. Um, it's a five-year deal. It's an automatic one-year extension with a either a regular season or a tournament summed up championship or a regional appearance, whichever way it comes. Right. 350000 a year 
with a $25,000 annual annuity contribution. Um, and then, you know, there's a lengthy list of incentives as are, you know, any, most, any most contract. Yeah. Uh, academic, uh, academic achievements will be an extra 5000 If they win a, a Sunbelt Championship, it's 10000 5000 for a regional appearance, an additional 5000 if they host. 7500 for a super regional appearance, an additional 7500 if they host, 10000 for a World Series appearance, 20000 for a national championship, 5000 for Sunbelt Coach of the Year, 5000 for Louisiana Coach of the Year, 7000 for the South Regional Coach of the Year, and 10000 for the National Coach of the Year. If he does all that, he can make $440,000 in one year. Could you can you imagine making that much money in a year cheaper? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't you know, I don't make that kind of money to begin with. I mean, just in his incentives alone is almost what I make a year. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's 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 a good contract. Uh, it's well deserved. Obviously, uh, a lot of schools at our level can't do a con can't have a contract like this just because of financial strengths that the university may have or whatnot. Uh, give Dr. Mag credit uh, for this to get this thing done the way he got it done and finding the right guy. But also with this contract, I mean, all those incentives you mentioned just now, you see that in a lot of a lot of big SEC, ACC programs. Right. Uh, you know, most schools, I'm sure they'll give them a, a incentive if they win that conference or if they make a regional, you know, someone like a Northwestern State or something like that. Um, and that's why you see those coaches kind of move on to bigger programs. Like I said, it's all a financial strain with some of these universities. But give credit to the university, uh, Jerry Luke LeBlanc and, and Dr. Ma and Dr. Magger and Dr. Savall to get this thing put together uh, to get the right guy. And let's talk about Dr. Magger for a second because head coach-wise, this is the fourth hire he's made since he's been here. And it's been Jerry Glasgow, Billy Napier, Lance Key, and now Matt Deggs. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we haven't seen what Lance Key has done or Matt Deggs has done yet. Right. But you've seen the success that both Glasgow and Napier had just in their first years on campus. And another another thing that's interesting is all four guys that he hired have a high moral compass. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're obviously pretty strong in their faith. And what, what do you think that says as a testament to? To who Brian Maggard is, both as a person and an athletic director. Well, I think for as an athletic director, you know, he was brought in to change the culture, you know, to come in and revamp the athletic department. His first year, he did that. You know, uh, he he got rid of, of Coach Hud. I say got rid. He let Coach Hud go uh, because he felt that there was a change needed there. You know, he can, he's coming in from an SEC program, but he's seen some success in Missouri. You know, there's things that in at that conference that they can that they've done, um, and to bring it here says a lot. Um, just in the in the year and a half that he's been here, the man has been. I've never seen an athletic director go through as much as this man has gone through in a year and a half. I don't care who you are in this country. You, I'll put Brian Maggard up against anybody as far as as far as uh, as, as far as that goes. Um, business wise, I know he was brought in to help uh, get athletics to the forefront to improve that. Uh, I guess that that revenue generating aspect of athletics. Uh, I believe they've done that in a lot of areas. 
yes, they've changed some things, and yes, they, they may have upset a few people because, as we all know, Cajuns don't like change if you don't give them a heads up. Right. And, and I think I think he's kind of learned that as he's been here. Um, you know, now you're starting to see, after year one, you're starting to see the different things, whereas just, just on this hire alone, they announced it as a press release to the radio stations and to the media that there was going to be a press conference at 11. That's all he said. And then, and then a few hours later, you start seeing on social media. You start seeing it on, on Facebook and, and Twitter. And I'm like, holy crap. Okay, it's a done deal because the whole everybody was speculating right. in the world that this was going to – they were going to announce they, they, that the search was over and they may announce on Monday. You know, my source that I got from Sam Houston was telling me that Deggs couldn't resign until Monday. So they couldn't announce that he was going to be the head until coach Monday. until Monday. So that's that was the whole thing, and there's things that we don't know and we'll never know. Right, that happened, and all of a sudden I'm on the phone. I get off the phone with, with the guy from South from Sam Houston, and then and he was very close to the program. He, he basically saw Dex that day, and then um, all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Right, you know. So there's things in the works that happen with universities that no one really knows, and that's the behind the scenes stuff that. Um, a lot of people don't really can, can't really understand uh, unless you live it, unless you work it. So that that on the business side, the man has done a pretty good job there, and it's only getting better. Um, you know, this is only a year or two. Of course, it feels like he's been here ten years right, already. Right. With everything, he, he's done so on. much already that right. And you know, most ads, like I said, haven't gone through what he's gone through in the last year and a half. So right, absolutely. Um, you know, you talk about the the revenue generation. Kind of, kind of to build on that, you know, the hire yesterday of Lee DeLeon as the executive director of the RCAF. I was reading some some background on him, and in Abilene Christian's first year of having a program similar to RCAS, he generated six and a half million dollars. That's a lot for Abilene Christian. Six and a half million dollars. I don't know how he did it. I don't know. Either. I don't know if it was ethical or what. I don't know how it happened. There's no telling. I mean, and they in the Southland Conference. And to be yeah. quite honest, I don't need to know. No, and it's not It's not our business to know what Abilene Christian does because I don't really care what Abilene Christian right. does. I don't really care what Texas State does. But I do know this. I care what UL does. And if this guy comes in and, and does what he says he's, he's going to do, his track record speaks for himself. And that's the thing with Brian. With Maggard, you know, we picked, you know, we selected him off of, uh, I'm not sure who all the candidates were, but his track record, what he did in Missouri. But Brian's brought in people that have excellent track records. You look at the, the hires that he's made as far as coaches go. Jerry Glasgow, who would have thought he was coming to come UL. here? Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, I love UL, but yeah. we, what man, what business did this man have being in Lafayette? Right. In the past, we would never get a guy from the SEC. You know, it was just crazy. You can't think that. Brian Mackey doesn't think that way. You know, the university now doesn't think that way. Um, the university now thinks as, as, as moving forward and want to, wants to get better and be better. And we're not trying to compete down the road. We just can't. But we can make our own thing here and make it stick and be successful across the board, not only on on at, on South Campus at Cajun Field and the Teague and, and Lampson Park and, and Tennis Complex and Track Complex, but on campus as well as the university with everything academically that we're doing now. Yeah, and um, 
Now, we, we talked about the um, John Blank here. coaching search. Obviously, you know, Matt Deggs was a front runner in a lot of people's minds. Um, did what other names did you hear well, in the that were possibly in the in the mix? We being, I mean, I'm, I'm in a college baseball, so and I, I used to work with college baseball when I was a student manager and as, as an assistant when I was in athletics. So I know I know a few coaches, players that that come through that now coaches and things like that. So some of the names that that I set off the bat, one was Deggs. I brought up Matt Riser at Southeastern. Mm-hmm. I know him personally. Uh, he played at Tulane under Rick Jones. Um, I brought up Billy Mole at South Florida, mm-hmm. who played under Rick Jones at Tulane as well. Um, I know Billy. Billy, when I worked at Tulane, Billy and Matt played together. Well, Billy's the head coach of South Florida now. He worked under Kingston, who was the third base coach at Tulane. And Kingston goes to Illinois State. Billy goes with him over there, gets the, the South Florida job. Kingston takes the South Carolina job. Billy right. stays at South Florida, becomes a head coach. Now he's a head coach, and they went to regional last year. So if you were looking for young head coaches, those are two right. two pretty good, decent head coaches in this area that have done that done good things. Uh, obviously, you go try to get the big fish as well. You know, with the Jake Gotros of the world. You know, um, yeah, I heard his also heard Andy Canizero was a candidate. Canizero. Um, also heard. Uh, uh, I think J&M talked about it on the radio, but was surprised that Mitch Gaspar didn't get uh, thrown out there because Mitch Gaspar was already in talks with Louisiana Tech. Right. If anybody's if anybody's paying attention, he got named assistant head co- uh, assistant coach over there two days before Matt Deggs was hired. So names out there that everybody kind of assumed were all the same. Um, you know, Kendall Rogers with uh, D1 Baseball, he threw out the, pretty much the same the same names too. But I, I told everybody that I would talk to about it because they would ask him, what do you think? I'm like, it ain't what I think. It's what Brian Maggard thinks. He's probably got a name out there that no one's even heard of. You know, because let's take the football thing, for example. Everybody and their mama thought that Brent Pryor was going to be the guy to come coach the Cajuns. Guess what? I thought that was a deadlock. Who in the hell is Billy Napier? That's that's exactly what I said. Coach, if you're listening, I know you like my stuff on Twitter. Right. If you were listening, I mean no disrespect. But the day you got hired, I said, who the hell is this who guy? Who the hell is Billy Napier? Well, we know who the hell Billy Napier is now. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. And thank you for being here. I'm, I'm, I love him. You know, he's awesome. You know, and the same thing with, with, with Glasgow. I mean, no one think, thought Glasgow was going to be in the mix. Right. All of a sudden, Jerry Glasgow. And the coach, if he's listening, you know, both of them have done have nothing but improved our two programs yeah, there. Absolutely. Uh, coach Key, I'll tell you this, we got the best-looking soccer coach in the country. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good-looking man. He's a good-looking man, you know. So, I mean, if, if he can – and I'm sure he's going to improve that team as well. And I wish the best for the education soccer program. Uh, because you know they're 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 going to be good. They're going to be all right. And 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 now with baseball, I mean, just guys, the, those four hires right there just been no pun intended, but home runs. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Talking here with Chico Rodriguez from Section A, and you know Chico, I want to talk about the press conference again. You know, obviously, as good of a day as today was, it was also to the same extent a pretty somber day. Um, obviously with the circumstances around why we're hiring a new baseball coach, mm-hmm. um, obviously with the passing of Tony and you know what I was, I was kind of surprised, but at the same time, not when I walked into the stadium club for the press conference 
to see the Robichaux family sitting front row. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked at all. I just, I figured that this was their time to be to themselves mm-hmm. and to grieve privately. I, I did not expect to see them there today. I believe this is this is part of their closure. You know, um, obviously their name is going to be a part of this program forever. Uh, and I think they all know that. You know, Justin and Austin are two great guys, man. I, I can't I can't speak highly enough about those kids. I've been knowing all three of those kids since they were kids. You know, um, to see them there, it it meant a lot. And I know I know Tony would have wanted that. Um, and to them, to them, I like I, I feel that this was closure for them. Yep. You know, uh, this is the final chapter for for their dad's legacy and, and Colleen's husband's legacy. Um, now they can they can come and be fans. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and definitely and definitely help this program succeed. Um, you know, to see them there was big, was huge. And again, I wasn't shocked at all that they were they were they showed up. And you know, Brian Brian Magger talked about it a lot in his opening remarks. He seeked, especially Austin and Justin, he speak he seeked their input in this coaching search. And I mean, obviously, I know that they speak highly of of Mad Dag. So right. You know, they, they played an integral part in that. Right. And, and I think it, it speaks volumes again about Brian Maggard, him checking all the boxes that he needs to check to bring in the right guy. And obviously, I mean, if anybody's got a brain in their head, would have went to Colleen and, and or their, his sons and said, hey, guys, look, right. give me your input. Tell me what you think, you know, you want to see you know, to keep this program going and what your dad has built and this and that. Yeah, because like, like a lot of people said, look at the new Russo Park. Yeah. They call it the house that Rogue built. It, it is. I mean, yeah. okay, you know, it is. Um, that stadium was a big deal for Coach Rogue. Uh, when I would talk to him on the side, you know, during, you know, if I'm going over there to say hi or talk to Bab or whatever, you know, that was, that was, his, that was his, his pride and joy. That's what he wanted to leave if he was to leave. Right, know, right. He he always said it. Leave the place better than you found it. He definitely did that. No, one one hundred percent. And you know, I'll, I want to talk about the stadium a little bit because there have been talks over the last couple months about Russo Park, and um, obviously, you know, there's there's been some talks of the Russo family mm-hmm. and the way the money for the stadium was got. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about the story. Um, Again, one of those things I don't really care to know. Uh, but there have been there have been some talks, whether it comes to fruition or not. There have been some talks about changing the name of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Robichaux Park get MLT more field. It's Russell Park right now. <laughs> you know, uh, as far as that goes, I you know I, I can't really speak on a whole lot of that too because I really don't know all the ins and outs of what's been going on. Um, I know the stadium is named Russell Park. I know Tony, you know, Tony wouldn't want his name on it. I can tell you that. No, I mean, that, that's, that's not going to happen. He wouldn't want his number retired. Right. He wouldn't but, want, it's, yeah. but it's going to happen. But it's going to happen. Um, whether he likes it or not. With Coach, Coach Rowe, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, as far as that goes, that, that's that's a university above my pay grade type of deal right there. Um, but I know um, that the university is going to do what they can do to keep their, you know, their – Park the way it is, I guess. Right, you know? right. And you know, I, I keep going back to the coaching search, but another thing that Brian Maggard mentioned, and you might be able to elaborate on this a little better than I can, because I don't, 
know much about co- like the ins and outs of coaching searches. But I felt it kind of odd and at the same time fantastic that players were involved in the coaching search. Yeah, it's D- – Does that happen often? I guess it depends on the situation. Um, I've never really seen it. I mean, I was here during a football change and uh, when, when, when Ricky got hired. And, you know, the man I asked some of the seniors their thoughts on who they would – they want to see come in or something like that. And I'm, you know, I'm sure other schools ask some of the senior players, you know, or team captains about, you know, what do you right. want, what do you, what do you think or whatever and get their opinions. Now, whether they take those opinions or not, that's, that's neither here or, or there. But I was, I was, when Brian said that, I was not surprised, but yeah, I was surprised a little bit that he went into that much detail with them to, to get the right guy. Yeah, um, he, he spoke with Gavin Bourgeois, Brennan Bro, and Hayden Cantrell. And I know it was probably a tad difficult to get Hayden mixed in, mm-hmm. considering he's up in yeah, he, Massachusetts. Yeah, he's killing the ball right now, too. Yeah, he's Mass- Cape Cod Baseball League. Baseballs <laughs> better be saying their prayers because right, yeah. Hayden's, Hayden's raking right yeah, now. Yeah, he's seeing beach balls right now. Um, so, you know, obviously moving forward – where, where does this program go from here? Well, in my opinion, you just you need to continue to improve. Um, I mean, last year we saw an improvement, you know, not only offensively, but even defensively once the season got going. Um, hopefully, uh, Dex will find a way to get someone in here to help with the pitching because uh, Dex is a, hit, a hitter's coach. Um, I think he's got a plan for that. Yeah, there's there's multitude of rumors circling around. Yeah, there's multiple. Yeah, rumors are rumors. Um, whether they come true or not, as it remains to be seen. But uh, I think, you know, to see, like Coach Deck said today, keep carrying the torch. Well, the torch has been passed. Now he's just got to maintain it and, and make and help it grow. Keep it up. Keep it up and, and get us back to where we can be. And I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that he can. I like to see us continue to get better at the plate. Um, I like to see us be more aggressive, you know, and I know Deggs has that aggressive. Which is obviously his forte. His yeah. forte, yeah. Uh, if you were here in 2014 or around the team of 2014, y'all already know. You know that firsthand, right? <laughs> right. Um, you don't win 58 games by not being able to hit the ball. And you don't squeeze bunt 400 times in a season either, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. You know, uh, he's very aggressive in that in that part. Um, I like to see the pitching get better. Um, I think, you know, Coach Rowe would say last year that the young guys need to grow up and get ready and get better. Well, Midway in the season, I think Coach was still saying that in his press conferences. Um, I think pitching was was a was not as good as we all thought it was going to be. Um, we we hope it gets better. You know, the guys coming back, I think they will be because they did learn a lot and have been through a lot this over the summer. Um, and hopefully that that all that gets put onto the field come February, yeah. and and we take care of business with with. Uh, I think we're playing Western Kentucky or something like that in February. I'm not sure the schedule's out yet, but um, you know, and it all comes it all comes together, and and they, everything improves. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I, I watched the video that the athletic department posted, welcoming <laughs> to the Degs era. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say this: Douglas Domang, damn Douglas Domang, needs a damn pay raise. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, that you know. 
take take no credit away from from Mr. Darren Walker and, and what he does, but yes, they this Doug Domain has done a very very good job. No, I mean and Darren Darren does great work. There, there nobody's denying that. Yeah. But God, the the stuff that he's got a talent that, that Doug puts together. I was I was devastated when I found out that Lights Out and Blackham was probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, would, I don't even know what happened with that, but yeah, he uh he's done some good work since he's been here. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know I saw your Twitter post asking if the season could start today. Yeah, like I, I wanted I, to start I, like right I now. agree. I, yeah. I watched that you know, video. I wanted to put on I mean, uniform. I'm wearing my, my I baseball stuff right now. I wanted to put on a uniform and and jump in between the lines with everybody else. Right, right. So. You know, last thing before we, we kind of go, they were they were talking about the stadium today. and The one other thing that Roe wanted to do, and I've heard from multiple people, said it was almost like his dying wish. Mm-hmm. It was the last thing he wanted and then he was going to retire. Yeah. It was the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, Maggard obviously put a lot of importance yeah. on getting the clubhouse done today in the press conference. How quickly do you think that happens? Like the the process, because obviously it's going to take it, it's, a it's year a to build it. Well, it's a process, you know. The way the way it works, if anybody is in construction, they know this. Um, the way things work is, you come up with with a with a an idea or a vision of what you want. Um, then you kind of figure out, okay, how do we want it? What do we want in there? You know, you look at, at what footprint, where you're going to put this. What are some of the amenities you need to put in this into this building? And then you call in architects and consultants and you get them together and you start talking about design and you start talking about these things. And well, this is what we like to see. This is what we want. This is what we need. You do your need, your wants, and your wish list type stuff. So you take all that information and they punch it in a computer and they come up with these beautiful pictures and they give you five, six architects, give you five, six, seven, eight designs of what they what they think after what you told right, them. Right, right. And you go and you meet and you have your inner circle or your people and what you're in, you look and then you figure out, okay, you break it down to one or two, or maybe three, three designs. And then you take those three designs and you put it out there. You know, some universities do a public forum where they put all three designs out and have the fans vote have for the it. Fans pick one, right? Um, or they, they put it out there on Twitter and vote for it. Or what do you think? And this and that. And have to get students' inputs and, you know, get input from a lot of different... Which I think is important. It's very important. You know, when we did the student union, we did that. We put it out there. We had two or three different designs of what the student union was going to look like. Uh, and once we came down to... A, we narrowed it down to one we put it down on paper and then you go out and you put it on paper and then you come, it comes back with the numbers of what it's going to cost to build it. Well, when you get that number, you probably go, Holy crap. Yeah. You know? Well, then you start looking at, okay, if we take this, we square this away, maybe we pull this in a little bit, you know, and then right, right. go back out. And this is where we think the, the price point is going to be for this building, but you still have everything you need in there. And then you find you try to budget it. Yep. If you got the budget for it, uh, a lot of this stuff is bond issued things now that the university does. So and, and just in general, it's all bond issue stuff. So money is invested. Uh, it sits there. It accumulates and they, they build off interest and that kind of thing. And they kind of help pay for to build some of those stuff like that. Obviously, fundraising is important in athletics and all athletic programs. You have to have fundraising. Uh, that is a program or a campaign that a lot of schools will do is we need to get to this dollar level 
to start the first phase. Make it happen. Make it happen. And the whole building may cost $40 million, but if you break it down and you phase it, it may cost you 15 this year and 35 the next, you know, so, or do four phases and do it 15, 15, whatever, you know, however you need to break it up. And that's when all the finance people get involved in that sort of thing. So with all that, once you get something on paper, that's when you know you have an idea of how long it's going to take to build. Yeah, absolutely. So if they even to that point yet, which I'm word is they've already got architects involved. Oh, really? I believe. Okay. For it. Uh, they were really close on getting the design and all that, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. I, you know, it's just things that I hear on campus and that sort of thing. But once that happens, then they'll know what it's going to cost to build. Once they get that number and they can project out budget-wise, fundraising-wise, and get enough, I guess they call it seed money, I would think, right. to start the project and continue to continue to do it. To continue to fundraise on right. top of it, right? Um, it takes – now, once ground breaks, you're looking between 18 months and two years. Yeah. Um, with any contractor because you run into weather problems, you run into this problem, you, and you start digging. You run into the fact that there's still baseball to be played. There's, yeah, you got to play a game there. Um, you know, plus you, when you start digging in the ground, you don't know what you're going to find. Correct. You know, when they did the student union, they, they found, they found a, a manhole under a floor that was in a stairwell when they tore the building down and no one knew it was there. And it was from back in the fifties or whatever. So they just poured concrete over it and built the union there. So you never know what you're going to find, especially when you go to renovate or you go to tear it down yep. because the, 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 the paperwork of all these buildings and stuff is so old it's outdated because things change you you renovate here you take something out it's not there so when you start digging you're running those problems as well so once all that gets worked out and figured out once ground breaks you're looking at 18 months to two years yeah and you know one of the one of the million dollar questions that i've that i've been asked about the the clubhouse project is where's it going to go yeah and that's that's another thing you gotta have a footprint for it where where are you going to put it so where are you going to put it it obviously has got to be with the stadium. So how do you do that with the, what you have now and not take away something in order to do this? I've heard rumors that they're putting, they, they want to put it where the bullpen is and put the bullpen on the field. Like LSU has it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard things about extending the seats all the way to the foul poles and having the clubhouse kind of under with an indoor bullpen, like there, yeah. there's been there's so many, there's so much stuff out there, and that's what happens when when you start doing when you start talking with uh, consultants and, and design people. They with those eight different pictures I showed you, they right. put that on it as an overview of the stadium, and it can go here, and then yeah, option it two, here. it can go here, right, right, and that sort of thing. You can so, put it here, but it's going to cost another five hundred thousand to put it here, right? Yeah, so you know, or you attach it to what you currently have, it ain't gonna cost you that much because we retrofitted for you already. Right. You know, so there's there's different options. It just kind of depends on what the amount of space, square yeah. footage Definitely. that they have to do. And you obviously don't want to take away from the current field that's there now. So all right. Well you know that's that's about gonna wrap it up for this edition of the Army. Uh Chico, you know, obviously appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your input. Um I love section A. I sit next to y'all. <laughs> you know every home game um y'all definitely uh bring the life of the party yeah we try we try and uh, um thank you for having me on your podcast it's pretty cool so i will i will never forget the night that they had i don't remember who we were playing 
a coach was standing on our logo. <laughs> and y'all sang lyrics to a Beyonce song. <laughs> and y'all screamed, to the left, to the left. Coach, get your ass in the box to the left. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we get a little clever from time to time. I, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at a baseball game yeah, than I did that night. Yeah, we try to keep it comical at the same time. When we've been, you know, keep it a little bit PG-13 as well. You know, yeah, so. no, Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird that we're talking about baseball in July. Yeah. But uh, but we are. Today Today was a good day, and I know I know Rob's up upstairs smiling at us. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know he had a huge part in this. Yeah, I think he did, too. And, and, you know, if I can end it on one Robism, that's one of my favorites is, you know, Tony was always instrumental in everything he talked about. And every time you talk to him after you got done, you look up, you'd be like, damn, the sky is blue. You know, um, he just made you feel better about yourself after everything. But one of the things that always stuck with me when his press conferences was, you can't sharpen a knife with a paper plate. Yep. So, Coach, yep. love you, man. Drink out of a water hose. That's it. Drink out of a water hose. Hashtag 36 forever. 100%. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Make sure you share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, and we will be back with you soon. Planning on a sit-down interview with Degs next week, so... We'll uh, we'll see where we go from there. Until then, go Cajuns, 36 forever.